Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a weekly podcast that will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Father Willie Raymond about Father Patrick Payton and his apostolate, and especially the new autobiography that was re-released of Father Patrick Payton, All for Her, which Ave Maria Press just uh, published a new version of it. I remember many years ago having a mass market one. I can't say that I read the mass market one. It just sat on a shelf. I could probably find it still. Um, But very happy to have made my way through All for Her in this new version that Ave Maria Press uh, has sent uh, sent me and has published. So a very beautiful story of Father Patrick Payton. So I look forward to speaking about that with Father Willie Raymond. So welcome, Father Willie, to the show. Great. Thank you very much, Father Ed. It's good to have this time to uh, be with you. And uh, actually, I've just listened to your podcast earlier. So, Well, very and- good. Um, you know, I think one of the very first things as we talk about Father Patrick Payton, maybe he's not a household name. Maybe people haven't heard about him. But a lot of people have heard about a household name associated with a religious order he belonged to. Namely, the uh, they know of the University of Notre Dame and exactly. the Fighting Irish. But yeah. a lot of people might not know that the University of Notre Dame is actually run by the Congregation of the Holy Cross. And that's the order that Father Payton, after he immigrated from Ireland to the United States, that he ended up joining. And maybe could you just give a little background about the Holy Cross Fathers? Sure. The uh, the congregation... Actually, the official name is the Congregation of Holy Cross without the definite article. Okay. And the reason for that is that Father uh, Father Moreau, Blessed Basil Moreau, the founder, was uh, from... Uh, and his... his uh, his uh, first followers uh, were living in a suburb of Le Mans called Saint Croix, Holy Cross. So they were the priests of Holy Cross rather than of the Holy Cross. Oh, that's so, a very good distinction. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but in any in any case, uh, uh, Holy Cross uh, was founded in uh, by Basil Moreau, uh, a young young priest. He was a Dawson priest who was uh, right after the French Revolution, was uh, was doing everything he could to rebuild the church, especially in the countryside. So he was teaching at the seminary. He was ordained when he was, I think, 22 years old. Very, very um, uh, dynamic, uh, passionate, good preacher. Teaching at the seminary, a lot of the, a lot of the young priests were attracted to his, his zeal for for um, the kingdom and for the apostolate. So he uh, organized them to go around to do what we would call parish missions today, mm-hmm. to go around to the parishes and try to revive them. And, and, uh, and then there was another priest who was quite elderly who had a, a, um, an, an association of brothers of St. Joseph, and he, wa- he knew he was near the end, Father Dujarier. So he asked Father... Uh, Father Moreau to take on the brothers of Holy Cross, brothers of Saint Joseph, and uh, and so Father uh, Father Moreau first had them as their spiritual director, and and then this uh, informal group of diocesan priests who were going around with him preaching parish missions. So eventually, to make a, that story shorter than it should be, he combined the two of them as brothers and priests. 
in in a in association, and eventually proposed to Rome that they be um, they be uh, uh, approved as a congregation, congregation of Holy Cross with brothers and priests living together as equals, which was uh, in the 1830s was uh, pretty radical and innovative. And he also formed a, an association of sisters, too, called the Marianites of Holy Cross. So the priests he called the uh, Salvatoris. <coughs> Excuse me. They were modeled on the Holy Family, and it was his intention to have this community with brothers, priests, and nuns, all part of one family of Holy Cross, the Marianites, the Josephites, and the Salvatoris. Well, it's very interesting, too, that you mentioned St. Joseph in this whole thing, because another very famous Holy Cross father, or Holy Cross brother, that is, was Blessed Andre from Mm. Montreal with the Shrine of St. Joseph. And was that part of the reason he had such a strong devotion to St. Joseph? Well, I think Brother Andre comes a little after, after the founder. But I, I think, yeah, the, the, the brothers, the, their patron is, is St. Joseph. So okay. the, for the priest, it's the Sacred Heart. And, and, uh, and, and for all of us, it's Our Lady of Sorrows, too. She is the principal patron of the Congregation of Holy Cross. Yes, you know, I just learned that. I was at Notre Dame a few weeks ago uh, giving a retreat at a nearby retreat center and so went to the university and talked with someone that I know there and they were telling me that that Our Lady of Sorrows was this patroness. And I guess it kind of makes sense, you know, the Mm -hmm. fact that you're the Congregation of Holy Cross and Mary stood at the foot of the cross as Mm -hmm. the sorrowful mother there. How did the Holy Cross fathers come to the United States then? Sure. They're founded in 1830s, and Notre Dame is founded in 1842. So it's, I think, the second, uh, the second or third mission of of uh, this new religious community, and uh, they, some had gone to Bengal, the Bengal missions, mm-hmm. and others to Algeria, and and then to the wilds of Indiana at the time, because in 1840. To it was uh, Indian territory, the um, Potawatomi Indians, and uh, they they um, they were the reason that that Holy Cross went there to start a mission school for for the indigenous people, and uh, then historically a lot of the a lot of the uh, Native Americans were forced by policies of the government to go west of the Mississippi. So they disappeared, and uh, but the they became the Fighting Irish and <laughs> all these other, all these other. There was a great need for for a school in that area, and it it uh, the the founder of Notre Dame, Father Edward Soren, was um, a Frenchman, but when he got here, he said, "We're in America. We must speak English." And so they quickly they quickly became very. Americanized, and they took the immigrants, Irish, Polish, and mm. and others, into the school. And Father Patrick Payton was an Irishman coming yes. from uh, Ireland, immigrating to the United States. And one of the things you talked about the fathers from the Congregation of Holy Cross mm-hmm. was that they would do these parish missions. Yes, and uh, parish missions made a very strong impact on Father Patrick Payton. In fact, he made a few personal spiritual resolutions after some parish missions. And then, as he went about in his own ministry, he did what was called, as I learned, the triduums, where he would mm-hmm. preach for three days uh, in the mission. So yes. that was something that was very uh, influential and then 
ultimately important uh, in his life of ministry uh, as he came from Ireland and worked here in the United States. Maybe could you just give a brief portrait of who Father Patrick Payton is? Sure. He's. By the way, I, I came into Holy Cross myself in 1964. So he died in 1992. And we're members of the same small eastern province of Holy Cross at the time. So twice a year we would have community meetings, so I would run into him often. So he's a person that uh, I didn't know well because... He was already a world-famous person when I came in in 64, but, hmm. but still would uh, come to retreats with us. And In any case, uh, he was born in 1909 in, in uh, Atimas, County Mayo, right near Ballina in County Mayo, Ireland, and one of nine children, very poor family, uh, although he would say we were materially poor, but we were spiritually rich. Mm-hmm. says my parents, the day they got married, made a... A pledge that they would pray the family rosary every day in their home. So, and every time they added an, an, another child, that child joined in praying the rosary. So for him, he he said um, uh, his home was a library, a university, a school where he learned all the all the essential lessons of his life. That his he was really formed. In, in a profound way by his family praying the daily family rosary, but also all their practice of going to Mass and, and uh, the, the ways in which uh, they had to sacrifice so much in order to just to get by. The father was, John, was quite sickly, so the children worked on a small plot of land. When, when the older children reached uh, 18, 19 years old, they immigrated to the United States, most of them, Three sisters uh, came before him, and then he and his brother Tom asked their father if they could if they could come to Scranton, Pennsylvania, too, following the sisters. And mm-hmm. I should mention that while while he was growing up, he uh, was not the best of students. He misbehaved in some ways. He had a he had a quarrel with one of his teachers. He um, and he and he stopped going to school for a while. He he, but he wanted to be a priest, and he, he would write letters to missionary uh, communities. And in those days, you needed to bring uh, some financial support mm-hmm. for for that seminary. His family obviously could not do that, so he got a lot of rejections. And he, he uh, had given up the idea of becoming a priest when he came to America. He decided, he and his brother, we'll go to America and we'll become millionaires. <laughs> so... So uh, when they got to Scranton, uh, his brother got a job in the coal mines. He, he could not get a job till finally the Monsignor at the cathedral in Scranton offered him the job as the sexton, the janitor, the sacristan. Yes. And, yeah. Sure. Well, devotion to Mary has been something that was very important in the life of Father Patrick Payne. You mentioned his family prayed the family rosary. Every day they prayed mm-hmm. the rosary together. Uh, and then he comes to the United States. He's there at the cathedral, and he recounts how he would stop by the statue of Mary and yeah. he would say a quick prayer. He was fixated on an image of Mary when he was sick and, and uh, you know, very sickly and tr- recovering from that. So 
Well, it seems that even though he had this devotion to Mary, that he kind of had this reawakening of his devotion, that it was something that really um, took on a very personal nature. He writes about it. So, of course, he prayed the rosary, all these things. But then when he's sick, he's making this prayer, and uh, he had tuberculosis. He was Mm. going to die, and he makes this prayer. And he says, to a greater extent than ever before, he, Father Haggerty, helped me to realize how human she is, how approachable, how sensitive to our needs, so that she can never be haughty or turn her back when we call her. I saw how strong my own position was in dealing with her, and so going on and on. Yeah. But it was kind of this, it went just from being words that you pray to really this intimate friendship or relationship mm-hmm. with the Blessed Mother and uh, a very personal dimension to it. Maybe learning from Father Patrick Payton, how can people have a more personal approach to the Blessed Mother sure. and their own devotion? You know, I, I think the, the key to it, to that devotion, is something that, that, uh, that Father Hegarty uh, said to him. He said, because uh, uh, Patrick, before he was a priest, was sick with uh, tuberculosis, and that was, a, that was a death sentence in those days. This is in the 30s. And uh, he he um, he says uh, he was at the lowest point in his life. He was depressed. He had given up. He had even questioned his faith and and all of this. Then um, Cornelius Haggerty, by the way, his favorite professor at the University of Notre Dame, and an Irish uh, an Irish born uh, priest of Holy Cross, came to see him, and he said, uh, Patrick, Mary is alive. And she will be as good to you as you believe she will be. If you believe she's a 50%er, that's what she'll be. If you believe she's a 100%er, that's what she will be. So he said those, were, those words were the most important words that I had ever heard in my, in my life. And he used a beautiful image. He said, uh, it was like um, uh, bringing my faith back to life. It was like... Um, like uh, a, a, um, a pile of hay that gasoline is sprinkled on and then a match is thrown on it, my faith came back uh, to life in, a, in an incredible way because of what he shared with me. And he said, then I, I prayed to Mary that if, um, if, um, she, would, if she would bring my petitions, my prayers to her son, that I would be healed through, through her intercession that... that uh, I would spend the rest of my life spreading devotion to her and to family prayer and the family rosary. So that's the that's the passion behind everything he does for the rest of his life. He he gets better. He says, I'm not speaking about a miracle. I'm speaking about the quiet way in which Mary works. But day by day, little by little, I became stronger and stronger. And finally, it's, it's a, <coughs> excuse me, he said I had difficulty convincing the doctors and my superiors that I was well. They said you don't get you don't get well from what you had. They took X-rays again, and the doctors said we cannot understand this, but you're going to live. And they wrote a letter to him uh, and to his superiors saying that he was well enough to return, resume studies for the priesthood. And he said when 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 I opened that that envelope and saw that letter, he said I was like a prisoner on death row. All of a sudden. 
the doors uh, to the prison have flung open. I have a whole new lease on life. So it's very, uh, it's a very dramatic moment in his life. This, this turning point where Mary really did take his prayers, bring them to her son, and and so when when he says Mary is alive, that was profoundly real to him. Actually, Loretta Young, the great actress, she said, "I have never met a man who loved a woman." more than Father Peyton loved our blessed mother. Yeah, you said that you mm-hmm. wrote actually the the foreword to the yeah. the new version, All for Her, and mm-hmm. that was how you opened it. And I read that and I thought, well, I hope people can say that about me. I hope they can say that, <laughs> yeah. you know, that... Um, that maybe the new uh, the new generation of Patrick Paytons are coming, mm-hmm. uh, as we see in the clergy and other people like Father Calloway or Michael Gately, uh, the, mm-hmm. these uh, Marian figures that that we have someone that we can live to try to follow in his footsteps. Yeah. Uh, in those words of Loretta Young, so this famous actress, and this is part of what uh, Father Patrick Payton does now. He had this experience, and then how is he going to do it? And in the Catholic faith, you know, we can think of all these different pioneers uh, of media. We can mm-hmm. think of Fulton Sheen and all that he did, or even Mother Angelica and all these other individuals. But really, Father Peyton was one of those pioneers. And in response yeah. to this blessing, this grace that he received through the intercession of Our Lady, wanting to spread now devotion to her all throughout his life, he wanted to promote the rosary especially, and one of the ways he started going about doing that was meeting with all these famous people, all these different actors mm-hmm. and actresses, Bing Crosby, Loretta Young, and uh, to do the family theater hour and all these other apostolates. But maybe what was the impetus behind the family theater hour? Or how effective was it? Or maybe just let's sure. talk a little bit about that. You know, actually, it's, today is a, an important day. It's, it's May the 13th. So 74 years ago today, they broadcast uh, a national uh, program to pray. They were going to pray for peace in Europe, but the war ended in Europe before May the 13th. So it was a prayer of thanksgiving on the mutual broadcast uh, radio network. So that was the largest uh, network in the country at the time. And and uh, he he was given time on it. He... He put together this program that was a smashing success because it had the, the the parents and the sister of the Sullivan brothers. All five of them had died. They, their ship was sunk, and they were all on the they were all on that same ship. They were from Iowa, so that so the the family of the Sullivan brothers came and they led the rosary. Archbishop Spellman at the time came on and spoke beautifully about family prayer and. And then President Truman had just succeeded as president after Franklin Roosevelt died. So he came on and gave a, 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 a testimony as well of support. And, and then, best of all, Bing Crosby, who, was, who had just won an Oscar for uh, or his movie, uh, Going My Way, in 1944. So, uh, and he was at the height of his popularity. So he agreed to come on the show, too, and, and talk about the power of family prayer, unleashing that power. So it was a great success. And and Elsie Dick, who was a, a, an honorable Jewish woman, she was the executive. She at first rejected this whole idea, but he persuaded her. And then and then uh, after after that success, she for the rest of of uh, their relationship, she always told him this was the most 
the most successful program that I ever produced, religious program. Hmm. So, uh, in any case, that that was what that's 1945, May the 13th. So 74 years ago today, and uh, after that, his superiors allowed him to go to to Hollywood. And uh, actually, this is interesting. When I when I arrived in Hollywood in 2000 to be the director of family theater, the uh, there was an elderly priest who told me, oh, you know, Father Peyton, when he arrived here, he came to stay at our rectory, and he said I was a young priest at the time, and Father Pat asked me if I would bring him over to um, to Good Shepherd Parish in Beverly Hills because there was a 40 hours and he was going to speak at it. So he said I, I, I drove him there, I dropped him off, and I told him when you're ready to come back, Ring me up, and I, I will come and collect and get you. So he, um, uh, so he said around 9.30 that night, I, the, the bell at the rectory rang the doorbell and said there was Father Pat. So he said, uh, I asked him, how did you get here? And he said, a young woman uh, offered to give me a ride, and, and uh, she's, a, she's an actor, and said, well, who was it? He said, it was, her name is Loretta Young. But I'd never heard of her before. So, <laughs> but they became lifelong friends too until until he died. She was one of his. She she was, I think, the first uh, the first real supporter. And her husband Tom Lewis, who was a Hollywood producer, helped Father Peyton in incredible ways. And then they, Loretta Young, Jane Wyatt, and uh, Rosalind Russell, the three of them all became big supporters of Father Peyton. So the mutual uh, broadcast network, they agreed to to uh, broadcast a weekly radio drama nationally, but they said it can't be just about the rosary. It's got to, you can speak about God and prayer and family life and values, but it's got to be broad enough to reach other Denominations, uh, Christians yeah. and Jews and others. So he reluctantly agreed to that, but it was phenomenally successful. It went on for... 22 years, and part of the agreement was that he had to have a major Hollywood personality each week on the program. So he had, like, the very first one was February 13th, uh, 1947, that launched the family theater productions, and he had uh, Loretta Young and Donna Michi were the actors, and then uh, Jimmy Stewart was the host of the program, so introduced it, and... uh, And and they it it ran for twenty two years. I think it was the longest running program in Mutual's history. And you know, with all the different people he would have associated with, all these famous stars, celebrities. Mm-hmm. Of course, not all of them, I'm sure, were Catholic. They pro- some of them probably came from yeah. other different backgrounds. No, Raymond, Raymond Burr was not Catholic, but he more than any other man, he he did so many programs for Father Peyton. Yeah. George when, Lucas, his first on screen credits were with with uh, Family Theater. Oh wow. Uh, as a uh, assistant um, cameraman, James Dean. Also, the his first credits were with Family Theater. He played uh, John, the beloved disciple, in one of the uh, hmm. one of the early programs called Hill Number One. And uh, you know, I think when we think about Fulton Sheen, if people are familiar with his work, and he would accompany some of these very popular, famous people into mm, converting yeah. to the Catholic faith. Did Father Peyton ever accompany anyone uh, of significance to conversion to the faith? Uh, you know, that's, a, that's an excellent question. I think um, 
I cannot I cannot think of an individual that sure. that he he helped to convert. But I, you know, when we were collecting testimony after Father Peyton had died for his cause, I was um, privileged to meet with uh, Dolores Hope right after Bob Hope had died. So she's ninety. She was ninety six at the time, and and she was saying that oh, Father Peyton was. Uh, was like the 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 chaplain to uh, so many of people in Hollywood. She said we uh, we looked to him, and he, he said the boys would get in trouble. The Rat Pack. That <laughs> she's talking about Bob Hope and Frank Sinatra and all that. She she said, um, but he never gave up on us. And she said one one Easter Sunday, we were all in Palm Springs, and and these. Um, uh, Gregory Peck was there with his wife and and Frank Sinatra and and uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and all these. She said, uh, early in the morning on Easter Sunday, we hear this banging on the door. And and uh, she said, <laughs> uh, it was Frank Sinatra. And he's he's going around on all of the all of our doors telling us, get up, get up, everybody. We're going to Mass. It's Easter Sunday. So he said, that was the influence that Father Peyton had on 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 all of us and uh, she's <laughs> she went on and on she's a wonderful wonderful generous uh, catholic i think at the at the very end um of bob's life he he was baptized on his deathbed and i would think some of that was the the influence of father peyton in their family oh wow all these um family theater productions you know 22 years all the episodes the book actually has the number of of episodes yeah. there were but um, are they still available? People can watch them today, or where do they uh, get they the, are. They, see them? All the radio programs there. They uh, in the in the uh, in the early two thousands, we digitally remastered all of them, so they're actually better than the original uh, shows. And they're on they're broadcast on Sirius Radio. Uh, they are available. You can go to familyrosary.org and you can you can get a lot of information about them, or you can. You can go to, um, did I say Family Rosary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go to Family Theater okay. uh, as well, at .org, either one of those, okay. and, and get information on the, the classic uh, radio dramas. So not only did Father Peyton do this Family Theater, but then he did his Rosary Crusades. Yes. And traveling yeah. all over the world. In fact, one of the chapters, you know, it talks about him being able to break into Latin America. And mm-hmm. Now, my understanding is, is he would fill football stadiums. Is that right? To yeah, football preach stadiums. Preach on the Rosary. And there, there were a number of, of rallies that were, that were much larger than any stadium. Sao Paulo, Brazil, in, in the early 60s. There were more than two million people in Rio de Janeiro, 1.5 million in Bogota, Colombia. It was over a million in in Manila, in the Philippines, in as late as 1985, more than two million people in in Cebu, in in the Philippines, 1.5 million. Wow! So, uh, and and he was in Yankee Stadium, and all, all the largest one in the United States was in Golden Gate Park. I think it was 1961. Five hundred and fifty thousand people were there in in right outside of San Francisco, wow. and I still when I was out in California, I would run into elderly people who were there as children, and they sure. still remember the impact on on their lives. 
So when they would come to these events, they would simply listen to Father Payton talk, or there were other presenters, yeah. to, and then they would pray the rosary together. Is that right? Yeah, they'd usually be exposition of the Blessed Sacrament as oh, well. Wow. Uh, they, the, um, you know, I should I should say that these these uh, huge events did not just happen. They were very well planned, and and it was actually um, a bishop in London, Ontario. Father Peyton was doing one of the one of the triduums, these uh, missions that you mentioned, and uh, and it, people loved it. A lot of the Dawson priests were talking about why you know it would be great if we could have these in all the parishes. Not it's not feasible to do that. Uh, but so the bishop said, well, why don't we why don't we uh, why don't we have like a, a retreat for the whole local church and bring invite everyone in the diocese to come together? That's the first time. That was in 1948 in London, Ontario. So they they immersed uh, the the diocese with with billboards and advertising. They put, got it on the radio. I don't think television was available in mm-hmm. those days. They and 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 he called them the six mountains that that had to be climbed in order for this uh, rally to take place and. The, the mountains were to to uh, get the the priests to commit to uh, forty hours devotions, hmm. to also uh, to preach on family prayer for five Sundays in a row, to get all the school children to uh, to pray for the success of the Rosary Rally. We go to nursing homes and hospitals and ask the the elderly and the sick to offer their sufferings for the success of the of the rally. Uh, they would um, uh, the 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 rally itself was the sixth mountain to climb. I'm blanking on what the fifth one was, but but they uh, they really uh, became very sophisticated at planning these huge events and 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 inviting the whole not just the the Catholic community, but in Bombay, India, there were so many Hindus and Muslims that that came to the Rosary rallies hmm. too. So, uh, it's very, um, and and Father Peyton, when he came back from India, he was saying, the people of India are just naturally spiritual, and it's such a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful country. So, so um, though those, uh, if you experienced that, I, I've only experienced one, and and it was um, we we had a rosary rally at the Rose Bowl in in Pasadena in two thousand and seven, and. To, to be there with with tens of thousands of people, when the Blessed Sacrament comes in, there's absolute silence, and and then all of these people praying together at the same time. It's just uh, it's it's an experience like in, any unlike anything else that sure. I've experienced in my life. And so sure. I would I would hope someday that we would get back to doing that using the modern technology that we have to allow young people and old people and everybody in between to experience that. Sure. I know that uh, your ministry is doing that in some regard with Relevant Radio, doing the mm-hmm. the rosary across America and bringing people together, at least through the radio, yeah. to pray for intentions. And that's one way of doing kind of this global <laughs> rosary sure. crusade together, I guess. But, yeah, it would be a wonderful experience. I know that praying with a large group of people, whenever you go to a large event, whether it's you know, at a Marian shrine or if you're at, in Rome or whatever, that it's a very powerful experience to uh, participate and to have that faith experience with so many people. 
course, St. Louis de Montfort says that when you pray with a rosary with, you know, 100,000 people or whatever, well, you get the graces of 100,000 yeah, sure. rosaries. So there's, there's, it's a very grace-filled uh, moment. Mm. Father Patrick Payne had some very memorable phrases. You know, the family that prays together stays together. The fam- a, a world at prayer is a world at peace. Yeah. And so um, what makes the rosary a good family prayer? Mm. When, when you think about it, it, is, um, it, it, it makes sense on the practical level and then on the supernatural level too, I believe. But it's, sure. it's on, just on the practical level. Uh, little little children. I grew up in a family. We had twelve children. We prayed the rosary in French. My mother would say it and lead it in French, and we would respond. And my father as well. And um, I th- I th- uh, I think everybody in between the, the 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 grandparents and little children and teenagers. Uh, and and some you know sometimes we do it reluctantly, but afterwards we're always thankful for. When the when the rosary was finished, there's a there's a tranquility and a peace that you know you just know is that you've experienced something supernatural, and and wouldn't I wouldn't have put that word on it back in the day, but but it's just a, a, a quiet tranquility that for everybody is united for a few moments, and then someone gets up and you start going about your business again. Uh, I just la- last year I w- was in Kerala and in India, the south southwest of India, and it's a state that has a, a a large a large population of Catholics that go back to the Apostle Thomas. And Father Peyton visited there back in the fifties. Well, the home that I went to was one of our priests, Father Pinto Paul's home. The the night we arrived there, his his older brother had died just two weeks earlier, and. Uh, so I was worried about visiting so sh- so soon after the death, but they they welcomed us and they we had a big meal. After the meal, that, well, I should say the first thing that we noticed that I noticed when when we got to the house is you open the front door, and there enthroned is the Sacred Heart mm. of Jesus, and King I, of the home. You know, yeah. And every we went to a lot of homes in in the neighborhood. Every home, every Catholic home had the same thing. As you walk in, you see the Sacred Heart as a, a subtle message that here's the real master of this household. So um, we we uh, we all went into the living room afterwards, and I didn't know what was going on because they're speaking Malayalam and and very little English. Uh, so they invited invited me and and to sit down and join them. Actually, kneel down for a while. We we prayed the Rosary. They, and then one of the one of the uh, nieces, the granddaughters, prayed uh, uh, prayed the litany of Loretto in all in Malayalam. So I'm hmm. just I didn't know exactly what was going on. Then they did read scripture in in uh, English, and uh, and and at the end, then everybody goes to the to the elders first and puts their hands in theirs, and then they. They wish each other peace, but it's it, this brought me back to our home growing up a long time ago, and the and the the just the, to see that that still exists in this day and age, and I, I wish that more families would just create the time to to do it, and if, if families pray the rosary, it it changes everything about the family. 
and most uh, families would say, well, we don't have time to, to sit down together for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, but, you know, we have the things that are really important we always make time for. So, mm-hmm. so it's kind of recovering that and yeah. trying to discover that anew. You know, it, it's something that's lost, but trying to reclaim it. Father Patrick Payne has a cause for sainthood, and uh, yes. he's venerable right now. And when he was alive, did people already regard him as a saintly man? Like you, we think of Mother Teresa, and everyone yes. knew she was a living saint. And was that the same thing for Father Patrick? Yes, yeah, it it, it was. Uh, even in Holy Cross, we as a seminarian, right? This building next door. I was a junior in college, and one of the seminarians was Hugh Cleary. He's designated as a barber. And by the way, Father Peyton never paid for anything if he could get it for free. So, <laughs> so he, he got a haircut from Hugh while he was visiting here. And and after so, you know, I was sitting around. We were talking to him. And it was always very interesting because he had been all around the world. And and he was a very gentle and and um, kind of shy person till he got up and started talking <coughs> about about the passion of his life. But when he walked out of the room, Hugh Cleary um, swept up all of the hair clippings, and he said, "I'm putting these in an envelope. I'm going to save these because he's going to be—he's going to be recognized as a saint someday, and these will be first-class relics." <laughs> oh wow! Did that guy become a priest? <laughs> he did. Yes. Yeah. In and fact, he still has it. <laughs> he, uh, well, he lost it somewhere along the way, unfortunately. Aww. But he—he he actually became the superior general of the Congregation of Holy Cross. Okay. Father, Father Cleary. Um, so in any case, uh, um, yeah, we we all look to to Father Peyton as a, as a saint. There, you know, within Holy Cross, there were men who worked with him, who uh, several worked with him for twenty, twenty, thirty years, uh, and a number worked with him for six months and then asked to be relieved because Father Peyton was driven and he expected everybody else to be as as driven as he was in in the work and as passionate about it so he was he was um insp- he was inspirational he was um in in you know for some people he he was difficult to work with because he was so committed to this and he saw you know this time is passing and we've got to do this well, very good. It's been so great to talk about Father Patrick Paint with you in his autobiography, All for Her, which has been republished by Ave Maria Press, a, a beautiful story of a wonderful priest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know as a priest, very much inspiring to me. And I know that for other priests, his story can inspire all of us, but also for the lay faithful as well, I'd say. You know, I've got one of his quotes here that uh, took place in uh, right after the Rosary Rally in uh, Bogota, Colombia, because Father Peyton has been criticized uh, in in um, in some uh, in some parts of the church for emphasizing the spiritual and and not caring enough about the poverty and justice. Mm. So uh, this is uh, just an incident that took place right after the Rosie Rally. He completed the crusade, and he was mingling with the crowd, and a young priest laughed at him, and he cried out, Father Pat, the people need bread and meat, and you give them the rosary. Hmm. 
Father Pat's response was gentle but firm. Son, they need both. Yes, bread for the body and bread for the soul. That was, uh, in that incident, I think, captured him. He was always, he, he came from a very poor background. He knew what poverty was firsthand. But he also knew what what uh, spiritual poverty was and, mm. and was so concerned about both of those. And in a sense, there's a lot of spiritual poverty today. And so so we are trying to feed the soul mm-hmm. in so many different ways. And, of course, the media is allowing us to do that. That's great. Maybe just uh, real quick, uh, I'd like to always build a Marian profile with uh, the guest just mm-hmm. to go over a few quick questions about the Blessed Mother to help us realize that everybody's devotion to the Blessed Mother is unique and uh, it's not universally the same. But uh, w- what would be your favorite title of Our Lady? Well, right now, yeah, I, I, I would say it's uh, Mother of the Church. Mother of the Church, sure. And that's the feast yeah. that yeah. was just proclaimed and... You know, for me at least, I realize that maybe my favorite title of Mary or my favorite uh, saint, that that's something that changes with whatever mm, I'm going yeah. through or if I'm reading. Like right now, I'd probably tell you, Father Patrick Payne is a great guy. <laughs> I like him a lot, <laughs> you know, so he, he would be one of my go-to uh, people to reference. In fact, on, on Mother's Day, I, I referenced uh, him and his story and ah. um, even in my preaching. So... How about a favorite prayer to Our Lady? Maybe it's a scripted prayer, but maybe sure, some, some other sure. prayer. Uh, I, 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 I try to. I, I do pray the Rosary every day. One, one, here's, here's one of the practices I have. I, I love um, when I can walking around this campus at Stonehill and I think I counted twelve or thirteen images of Mary. Oh yeah, statues around and. So it's kind of like a walk with Mary around, to visit them. around this campus. Sure. To visit them, this Madonna and child, and, and uh, you know, this Mary, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, this yes. big Mary in front of the, front of the center here. Um, I, uh, I, I think um, for me personally, it's so, it's so important to, to um, find time each day to spend praying the rosary, getting to know our Lord through the eyes of Mary, mm-hmm. who's the one who knew him the best and I think loved him the most. Sure. Uh, you know, so talking about favorite prayer, if I had to answer this question for Father Peyton, I'd say he loved the Memorari. That yes, was yeah. a prayer that uh, he would pray often, it seemed, as I read the autobiography. People find the rosary difficult sometimes. You know, it's monotonous. Mm. You know, is there... Uh, a rosary tip that you can offer to help sure. people pray the rosary better? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I love the new luminous mysteries that uh, that Pope John Paul added to the rosary. I I think um, uh, I think uh, for me uh, it's it's um, I guess the the best tip that I can offer is is to. Uh, Meditate on the the mystery itself while I'm praying the beads and sure you know so if it's the Annunciation to uh, to look at uh, how Mary whatever she and Joseph had planned yes that um, God came along and 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 called her to a different a different plan that he had and as soon as she knew what it was she embraced it 
and and so I look in my own life, and I, I remember as a seminarian, I was, I was, uh, <coughs> I was all set to join the diocese of Portland, Maine, and I was on the way to the Grand Seminary in Montreal, hmm. and uh, somehow my brother was driving me there. We, I said, stop this car when we got to the suburbs of Montreal. So, turn around I'm not going through with this and we went back home and it was only then that I, I had gone to a Holy Cross college and uh, for the first two years of college and and then it really struck me that these uh, that community were the, the, the outstanding quality was the joy that they had they were smart hmm. they they taught us and all of that but there was a there was a joy that uh, that was palpable so I think in 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 uh, to recognize when you're praying the rosary and at other moments in your life to look, recognize that, that God is always at work, the Spirit's always at work, and if we open our eyes, we can see it. I think the rosary helps helps do that in, a, sure. in, a, in the best possible way. How about a favorite apparition of Our Lady? Mm-hmm. I love Lourdes. Sure, me yeah. too. Uh, how about uh, a favorite Marian shrine? Of course, apparition sites are shrines. Sure, and, yeah. But uh, yeah. there are other devotional shrines, any that uh, have found a way into your heart? Well, the the shrine, uh, I think, is my favorite, is at Notre Dame. The, sure, the Lord's, the Lord's Grotto. Yep. You can go there any time of day and night. There's almost always a solitary figure praying there. Sure. So many young couples have proposed to each other in that, at that grotto, and I think young men have, and women have discovered their vocation. Sure. A favorite Marian scripture? Whoa. <laughs> um, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> sure. That's a popular one. A Marian book recommendation? Um, Maybe all for her? <laughs> all for her, yeah. I would, I would certainly say that. But I, 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 I like Fulton Sheen's... Um, the World's First Love. The World's First Love. Sure. That's yeah. a beautiful book. And lastly, a Marian song. Oh, how about Maria Mirame? Mary, look at me. Yeah. Okay. Si tu me miras, él también me mirará. Okay, I'll have to look so, it up. Yeah, you can you can find it if you go just Maria Mirame. Yeah. Find it on that. It's a beautiful tune. Okay. It's, uh, sure, and probably beautiful yeah. words if you can understand them from the mm-hmm. Spanish. Yeah. So, well, very good. It was so wonderful to talk with you, Father about All for Her. Um, I'd encourage people to pick it up and to uh, read the story of Father Patrick Payne to be inspired by probably one of the next people from the United States who will be lifted to the altars of the church yeah. and be called Blessed and then Saint. Yeah, we, did, we didn't talk too much about his cause, but it's really active right now. We, okay. So he was declared venerable by Pope Francis in, in 2017, December the 18th. And right now we have two possible miracles that are that oh, are wonderful. being studied at the Congregation for the Causes of Saints. So if um, people are listening to you, I'd like to invite them to, to join us in praying for the... His the, intercession. His intercession. Yes. And, for, um, and, and pray for his cause, because I think we need a, a, a patron saint for family prayer, and I think he would be a, a sure. great apostle for that. That's so. great. Well, thank you for your time today, and uh, also a special thanks to Anna Nuzo for the music that we use on this podcast that she has provided. You've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. 
I hope that it's either been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at FR Edward Looney, L-O-O-N-E-Y. You can subscribe to this podcast on any platform now, and please leave a review to help others find it as well. You can follow today's guest, Father Willie Raymond, or Holy Cross Family Ministries, also on social media. Until next time, let's remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless. Amen.